church. I stand before you today as someone who is convinced that a man rose from the dead. Half a century ago, this church, these walls were built by people who believed that someone rose from the dead. Over the last two millenniums, across the world, across the six inhabitable continents, people all across the world have believed and put their hope in the fact that Jesus was not just a moral teacher, but a resurrected king. And if you read the Gospel of Matthew, or any of the Gospels, the story that we read here in Matthew 28 seems highly unlikely. Right, so the Gospels begin with just the story of a little boy or a baby born under unusual but humble circumstances. And then he grows up and becomes a woodworker, right? And then this carpenter turns traveling rabbi and collects a little band of followers. And he preaches about this thing called the kingdom and the fact that the kingdom of God was, was breaking into the world. He healed the sick, fed the poor, and a movement began to grow. And at the height of his popularity, Jesus entered into Jerusalem to the shouts of the crowd saying, Hosanna in the highest, glory to God in the highest, the king has come. Then, in two shocking events, a close friend betrays Jesus and the Roman Empire crushes him to dust. He hangs on a piece of wood and in order to mock him, the Roman Empire puts a sign above him that reads, This is the King of the Jews. And his dead body hangs and then they bury him. The people disperse, his followers go into hiding, the movement ends, hope is lost. But in Matthew 28, the the passage that we read, we see that that was not the end of the story. In Matthew 28, we see Jesus risen from the dead. And he appears to his disciples and he summons them to come join him on a mountain that overlooks the city of Jerusalem. And so the disciples, obviously shocked in awe and disbelief, nonetheless obey him and go to this mountain. And they see him in the distance and they fall on their faces in fear and worship, perhaps realizing at this moment just who it was they'd been dealing with this whole time. And then this being, this being who has power over death, says these words to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Why, this morning we're talking about sharing the gospel. 
And for most of the sermon, it's going to feel more like a workshop. You'll notice that there are pieces of paper and a pen on your chair. As someone commented earlier, are we going to take a test? We're not going to take a test. It's okay. Uh, But we're going to get a little participatory. And so toward the end of the message, we're going to do something together. But it's going to be like a workshop that I hope is very practical for you. But before we get there, I really wanted to stress these verses because I feel like in evangelism, in this thing of like sharing our hope in the gospel, we get really, really nervous and anxious. Like I think if we were honest with each other, we don't like the idea of putting ourselves out there in, in our context, in America, and actually sharing the gospel. It petrifies us. And so I wanted to emphasize right on the outset that the reason we go and share the gospel is that we have been given this imperative by the risen Savior himself. And Jesus says, I'm not going to send you out in your own power. I'm going to send you out with my authority. And I have all the authority in the universe. The universe, the world itself, rests under the bottom of my foot. And not only that, but I promise to be with you always. And so as we talk about sharing the gospel, we're going to get very practical, but I want, the, I want you to have this in the back of your mind, even at the front of your mind, that Jesus is with us and his spirit and his power and his gospel is really the thing driving this thing, not us and not our own strength. So as John mentioned last week, and as I was trying to talk about, sharing the gospel is very hard in our context, Right? I mean, most people, or at least we feel like most people we come across don't want to hear about the gospel, don't want to hear about Jesus. They're doing their own thing. Uh, we live in a culture that's, that, that does not like the exclusive claims of the Bible. They don't like the fact that we say that you must believe in Jesus alone. People don't like that. But not only that, but many in our culture have had bad experiences with Christians in the past. Have you ever met someone like this? Kind of got burned by a... A, a, a Christian in the past who maybe was judgmental or maybe approached it the wrong way, even if they were good, had good intentions, sometimes people are burned by Christians. So they wash their hands clean of the church. They're done. They're done with Jesus. They're done with the church. They're done with Christians. And to make matters worse, even when we want to share our faith, we often stop short because we're too busy. Or honestly, most of us just don't even know how to do it. We kind of know what the gospel is. We kind of, you know, we we can understand it. But to communicate that to someone in a way that actually means something to them is very hard. And so I'm going to make today very, very, very simple and very short. And I'm going to boil it down to three things. And if you can do these three things and start practicing these three things, you will be more effective in being a light in this world than honestly most Christians And the first of these things is something to listen for, something to look for, and something to pray for. You like that mnemonic? Very easy. Something to listen for, something to look for, and something to pray for. So let's get into it. So the first step in sharing the gospel doesn't involve sharing at all. It involves listening well. If you want to be better at sharing the gospel, you must first listen to the needs of those around you. Listen to the needs of those around you. Effective gospel sharing, being a light in this world, means being open and listening to the needs of the people that we come across. 
I think this is kind of the problem that we've had in the past, kind of like 90s style evangelism. If you grew up in the church in the 90s, we had a lot of uh, interesting ways to present the gospel. But I think one of the problems we had back in the day is we would just jump right into Jesus before even listening to people. The book of James gives us a a really general um, outline for for why it's uh, good to be a listener. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus using this method. In uh, John chapter 3, when he talks to Nicodemus, he lets this guy talk first, and then he shares with them. And then you flip over one chapter in John chapter 4, and he talks with this woman that he meets at the well, and she has a lot to say about their political and cultural climate. And he listens to those things. He asks questions. He, he wants to get at her heart and what she thinks is important. Just another example, Mark chapter 10, when he talks to the rich young ruler, he, he asks some questions of him, listens to him, and then he shares And so if you go to each of these stories and you go and read them, you'll find that Jesus listened before he spoke. And the reason that is, and the reason that we should follow Jesus in that way, is that Jesus cared about people's thoughts. He cared about their questions. He cared about the the doubts and the struggles that they brought to the table. And most of all, he cared about what was really important to them. Like we have an idea of what's important for people, right? You know, we, we have the gospel. It's the most amazing truth in the world. But Jesus had that too. And even though he had that, he started with their most immediate need, whatever that need was. An old saying goes, people don't, know, or people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that is absolutely true when sharing the gospel. Oftentimes we must address people's physical and emotional needs before we can delve in deeper to their spiritual needs. Quick story. So I have this um, co-worker. Well, she recently quit. But I had a co-worker a few months ago. And uh, she was fairly new. And we have a very stressful office that has no training. Basically, it's just like shark in the water. They just like push you in, sink or swim. Are you going to make it? Are you not going to make it? Super urgent. It's a rough environment. And so this girl, uh, she's very sharp. I could tell she's very sharp. She went to Berkeley. I mean, she's a smart person, but she was struggling a little bit in our office. And she was communicating some of those things to me, just kind of like at the cubicle and stuff. And I was able to sit her down and kind of show her some tips of what I do to make our work easier. Right? Didn't take very long. It took, you know, just a course of maybe one afternoon. I showed her, here's some top tips that I do to make our job easier. And so a few weeks after that, I was sitting at the lunch table in the break area, kind of in our office. And she comes up and she sits down next to me and she has lunch with me, which is pretty interesting because I'm an introverted guy, right? So I'm not usually the one who's like going out and like sitting with people. So it was interesting that she came and sat next to me and she's like, hey, how's it going? You know, let's have lunch. And so we talk and I asked her questions. In my heart, did I feel like, oh, this is an opportunity for the gospel? Yes, I felt that like deer in the headlights feeling of like, man, I, I know I got to do it. I know I got to do it. But I started out by just asking her questions. I really cared about where she was coming from. So I asked her things like, you know, why did you take this job? What do you want to do in the future? And so as we talked about those things, then I started to move a little deeper. I said, hey, what, what do you think your purpose in life is? Why, why, why do you think you're here on this earth? And I was listening to her. She had some really interesting and, and good things, good altruistic ideas. 
And so I listened to her first. And then over the course of that conversation and several conversations after that, I was able to share the gospel. But the point is that I, I listened to her needs first. And her most immediate need was really not the gospel. It was the fact that she was struggling at work. And that was making her life very stressful. If you'll go back with me in Matthew chapter 28 and you look in verse 19, uh, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. So one thing I take from that is that Jesus and the gospel speaks to all of life. Not just a little slice of it. The gospel speaks to people in all of their needs. It speaks to the homeless, it speaks to the wealthy, it speaks to the hurting mother, it speaks to the struggling student, and yes, it speaks to the overworked employee. Everyone has needs, and part of our job in sharing and communicating the gospel is being open and listening intently for the needs that people are communicating to us. And the problem is, unfortunately, we are often better at hearing instead of actually listening. But I think if we practice this, we will become much better at sharing the gospel because we will know people, we will show we care about them, and we'll actually know what their physical and emotional needs are. So that's the first tool. The first tool is, oh, sorry, that's the first thing, right, is to to, uh, listen to people and to hear them and to find their real needs. Now the second step is to look for opportunities to share your story or a simple gospel illustration. Second one is look for opportunities to share your story or a simple gospel illustration. Now this is where we get to the speaking part, right? And for most of us, this is the part that petrifies us to no end. Deer in the headlights, right? You're talking with someone, a coworker, a family member. They're talking about some of their needs. And all of a sudden you, you have this thought, share the gospel. And your heart sort of like starts beating, right? Like the Holy Spirit sort of like quickened your heart, but you're like beating, your heart's beating really intently and you're like, oh man, I I know i got to do this, but I have no idea how to go about it. And often that's when the guilt factor comes in, right? We, We feel guilty whenever we don't share the gospel when we're supposed to. But honestly, I think most of us want to communicate the love of Jesus. Most of us want to shine a light in the world. We do have something special and something powerful that needs to be shared. And I think we want to do that. But the problem is we often don't know how to do that. And so as you listen to people, as you listen to their actual needs, I'm going to give you two tools that you can use to share the gospel with people. And I think the first first tool is your personal story and how you believed in Jesus. Your first tool is your personal story and how you believed in Jesus. And I think there's a biblical basis for this. It's very, very simple, but there is a biblical basis. Think about the woman at the well. If you've read John chapter 4, if you haven't read it, feel free to make a note of it, cross-reference it later. But in John chapter 4, Jesus shares with the woman at a well. And when he gets done, she goes to her village, and what does she say? She says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? That was her personal story. And as a result of that story, the people came and talked with Jesus. And many in that village found the hope that she had in him. Uh, The Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest evangelist of all time, also used this method of his personal story. 
In uh, Acts chapter 26, feel free to cross-reference it later, Paul gives us a model that broke his story into three parts. And I think you can break your story into three parts as well. Your life before Christ, how you came to Christ, and your life after Christ. Really hard to remember, right? Very, very simple. Your life before Christ, how you came to Christ, and then your life after Christ. If you've never shared the gospel in this way, then I encourage you to maybe go home, write it out in three paragraphs, keep it short, but just share your story. And because we live in a context where people have very short attention spans, I would say keep it at three to four minutes tops. Really nothing beyond that. No one wants to listen to us for much, much longer than that. So three to four minutes tops, and you can really communicate the power of what Jesus has done in your life if you do that. I've been sharing my testimony in this way for probably a decade, and it works. And I think the reason it works is we live in a context where people value stories. We like to share stories with one another. And so if, I, if you tell me your story, then that gives me liberty to share my story with you. And my story is about Jesus Christ because that is who I am. And so in the same way, I think any one of you has a story. If you believed in Jesus, you have a powerful story of how he's changed your life. So let's kind of build on each other real quick. So first, you're listening for needs, right? And you're having conversations. And secondly, you're looking for opportunities to share your story. So let's say, for instance, you're talking with someone and they're very anxious. They're, they're kind of overworked and they're saying they're dealing with anxiety, depression, all this kind of stuff. You don't want to trivialize that, but you also have an opportunity to say, hey, I've struggled with some of those things in my life. I've struggled with anxiety and depression. Can I tell you about something that helped me overcome it? So easy, a simple bridge right into the gospel. We're not trying to manipulate people, but we actually have something that is powerful, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So share your story with people. It's a great way of um, sharing the gospel and of being open and communicating to people in a way that they understand. So that's tool number one, your story. Now the second tool is best used when someone is interested in the gospel. So usually I kind of tell my story to see if someone's more interested or interested in hearing more about Jesus, right? I don't dump the whole thing right on them right at once or get into like Calvinism or many, all this kind of stuff. No, I, I just sort of tell them very simply my story. And if they're interested, I'll probably move on to the second tool. And so we're going to do something a little different today. I want you to take your uh, little piece of paper and your pen, which I painstakingly put on every single chair uh, yesterday. And also I had to go buy some pens because uh, I only got halfway through. But anyway, so everyone should have a pen and a piece of paper. And I want you to sort of participate. I want to show you how easy it is to show a simple gospel illustration. And I know your initial thought may be, it's kind of cheesy, right? Drawing a little picture, trying to communicate the gospel. It feels kind of cheesy. It feels kind of 90s. But honestly, guys, this works. And I think the reason it works is because it's very simple and it's a visual. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone up to people, friends from work, people that I've known for a while, and, I, and I've drawn a picture of a cross. And you know what? They cannot communicate to me what that means for the world and for Christianity. They do not know what that symbol means here in America. And so sometimes I think we assume that people understand and know the gospel. But what I'm saying is we cannot assume that. And so using a simple gospel illustration is one way that I use to boil down a lot of deep truths into a simple 
way. So don't worry about getting all this the first time. I'm also going to put up a video where like a YouTube video where I do this, just sort of like draw the picture so you can practice it a few times. But today I want you to listen and I want you to draw along with me. I'm going to have it up here. I want you to draw along with me as I share it. All right, we can do that, right? Okay, good. So in the beginning, there was God. There we go. So you can draw a little box of God, kind of top right of your page, uh, near the top to the right-hand side, and just go on from there. So in the beginning was God. And God was the one who created the world. Now the Bible describes God as holy, which means he's perfect. He never messes up. He's perfect in all that he does. But the Bible says that he is also love. And because he is love, that caused him to create the world and to create humans because he loved us. He wanted us to experience a world that reflected his holiness and his love. The problem is we humans sinned. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We mess up. We tell lies. We hurt each other. We were supposed to make this world reflect the holiness and love of God. But instead we made it reflect sin and darkness and pain. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Hebrews 9.27 says, For it is appointed for man once to die, but after this comes the judgment. So as a result of our rebellion against God's plan for the world, each one of us has been separated from from God and are on track to death. Us sinful humans simply are not compatible with the holy God. But the Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16 is probably a verse that most of you have heard, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And so Jesus died on the cross to take our place, to remove the sin, remove the filthiness from us, and to take it on himself on the cross. You see, Jesus opened up the way for people to return to God and have everlasting life with him forever. In heaven, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way back to God. And his death on the cross opened up that way. So now, here's you and I. We stand in this life with a choice, every single one of us. We have a choice. Do we want to continue on the path of sin? And ultimately experience death, which is the wages of sin? Or do we want to take this new path that Jesus has opened up for us through the gospel and through the cross? The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. It's very simple. In the Bible, the path back to God is just to repent of our sins to turn from the lifestyle that we have, that we were living in toward Jesus Christ, wanting to serve him, wanting to love him, and wanting to make this world more like him. And also to believe that the cross is sufficient to remove the sin from us and to make us clean in God's sight. The Bible says if we do that, repent and believe, we will will be saved. 
So every one of us has a choice, and we each have to make it individually. So after hearing this, do you want to continue on the path that you're on? Or do you want to start following Jesus toward eternal life? Or maybe do you have any questions about this? Bam. There it is. Now, I added some verses because I've been doing it a while. You maybe don't have to do that if you're just starting out. But one thing I really like about this is that it, it is very simple, but that, I think that's the beauty of it in that it, it basically outlines all these major concepts in the Bible, the whole uh, Bible boiled down into one picture. And so you can use this to share with people if they're interested in hearing more about Jesus. And then if they're even interested more after that, invite them to church, invite them to community groups. You can be doing that all along the way, but this is just for those simple conversations. All right, so now the third and final thing. So first I said you need to listen to the needs of others. Second I said look for opportunities to share uh, your story or a gospel presentation. And as we uh, draw to a close, I encourage you to third, pray for the people you come in contact with. Pray for the people you come in contact with, right? So first you're listening, then you're looking for opportunities. But third, you're praying for the people that you come in contact with. Why look as conversational and as uh, just sort of simple as I tried to make today, we are speaking about serious issues. Like I try to make it easy and try to make it simple because I don't want us to, to get too bogged down into to like the, the words and things like that. But the Bible says that we are dealing with huge issues. The stakes are high. Paul says in Ephesians, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And if we are going to be courageous type people who boldly share the gospel in this world, then we need the power of God. And that power comes through prayer. So as we draw to a close, and I'll invite the band back up, um, I want to leave you with a quote. And uh, John had shared this quote with me actually uh, yesterday, and so I was able to throw it in on the slides. And I feel like it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. And that was the fact that we don't go out in our own power. We don't fight these battles. We don't overcome all the brokenness in the world in our own eloquence. But we do it through the risen King of Jesus. Somebody put it this way. The Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. As you go out and as I encourage you to go out and share the gospel, let's not forget who's at the other end of it. And that is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead with all authority, with all power, with all knowledge, Standing at the other end saying, go make disciples. Go be my light in a broken world. Don't take this thing that you have and keep it to yourselves. But instead, continue the movement. A movement that started with Jesus and continues to this day. May we be a part of that movement. As people perish around us, as our friends and our family live their lives without the hope of the gospel. May we be people who share that with them. 
And I'm going to pray, but right before I pray, I encourage you to take your little piece of paper, to turn it over on the other side, the side that's blank. And I want you to think of two people in your life, coworkers, family, whoever it is, people who you think need to hear the gospel. And the reason I do that, and again, sometimes it's kind of cheesy to do this kind of stuff, especially at the end of a sermon. But honestly, I feel like if all we do is just listen to the word, but we don't do anything about it, then what are we really? And so I encourage you this week to actually act on what you've heard. So think of two names in your life that you can be praying for, that you might be able to share your personal story or the simple illustration so that they too may share in the joy that you have in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray over you guys that you would go forth boldly and that you would just continue to live in the hope of the gospel. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I pray for these people. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, I thank you that you are the resurrected King. That as you go through the gospels, it seems like all hope was lost when Jesus died on the cross. But that he actually rose from the dead and he empowers us to be his witnesses in this world. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for these people and for myself, Lord, that we would go forth boldly as lions. That we would not be timid in sharing the gospel. That we would not try to hold this treasure that we have to ourselves, but that we would go forth and spread this light to the world. Father, I pray for the names of the people uh, that were written down today and that may be written down tonight, Lord. I pray that they would, um, that your love and your truth would come on their life and that you would heal their brokenness and that if they have anxiety from work or if they have uh, uh, maybe deeper issues in their marriage or whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would go in and that you would heal that brokenness, but that you would also give each one of us an opportunity to share the light of the gospel into their life that they may be changed in the same way that we were changed. We love you, Lord. We love your gospel. We end today's service as a united people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.